No, right. no offense, offense. <laughs> all offense. <laughs> he's earned all the offenses. He's had numerous teams where he's earned the offenses. It's the one league you can just keep falling upwards in. Like. Hey, everybody, welcome back to Too Many Men. My name is Allison Lucan. And y'all, I, I feel like I just have to keep reminding you because you're not getting the memo. The author, the creator, the queen, the resource extraordinaire and only style rankings superstar, Sarah Sivian is here with us today. Sarah, so many people want to be like you. How does this feel? Listen, I didn't invent fashion. Clearly, look at my hat and my sweatshirt. But I think the more the merrier. And my dear friends, Pete Blackburn and DJ Bean had this awesome concept for a show that finally, after a year of working on it, went live with Brad Marchand today. And they're hilarious. And I thought, I think there's room for everybody to succeed. And I want to highlight personality in the league more and create more friendly competition because you know what? I'm getting a little bored over here. So I'm glad that people are joining me in fashion. I, I do think mine was the best this week though. Well, I will just say, I think that's a totally great outlook. I just think it's important to acknowledge credit to people who may have started ideas first and I'll leave it at that. Um, but speaking of fashion, we have the upcycle queen who also manages to appear on like 8,000 podcasts, write 10,000 words <laughs> and give you every bit of hockey analysis you need. Scrunchies, upcycle, fashion statements coming out of her sewing machine like magic. Shayna Goldman. Shayna, say hi. Hi. Good job. Okay. <laughs> Friends, let's get right into it. There is so much that is happening this week that we want to talk about. And we start, of course, with none other than Sarah Sivian's favorite segment. Sarah, what time is it? Bit of news. Bits. We're trying out different sound effects until somebody saves us. And by sound effects, we mean we have no sound effects. So again, someone <laughs> save us. <laughs> Wait, we have something that might save us for bit of news. We actually do. That's something in the works. We got a nice email about. Maybe getting a drum to Sarah. Yes. Please definitely. give me a drum. That's what I need. <laughs> we need to get you a drum. I don't know if that's what we need. <laughs> <laughs> I just saw Travis Barker live. I'm ready to go. <laughs> well, let's start off with a little bit of fun. And this happened actually last week. But we had to mark the moment as it is, in fact, Wednesday, the day after Halloween. And friend of the pod, Connor Hellebuck, dressed up as Travis Kelsey and his significant other as Taylor Swift for Halloween. When it comes to friend of the pod, personifying the pod, and also bringing the fashion, Sarah, what did you think of this magical moment? Uh oh, it was everything. Did, is it just me or did like Taylor <laughs> and Travis overtake Barbie and Ken that I, like I expected Barbie and Ken to be everywhere and i saw so much travis and taylor instead i saw it, a ton of somebody barbie. was calling it the barbie effect because so many people were scared of being barbie because yeah. everybody else wanted to be barbie but that totally negates the whole point of the barbie movie everybody's barbie and they can all be different barbies and there were so many kens it's like now yeah. we're in ken's world whatever 
Wait, are you saying that the men took over and capitalized a moment that was proud for women to <laughs> oh, be about themselves? I'm shocked to no. hear this news. I didn't say that. Okay. Wow. <laughs> All right. Um, well, let's move on to some other bit news. We've got big and small items. Um, first, Ottawa's Thomas Shabbat out four to six weeks blocking a shot over the weekend. There's a lot more news coming out of there that we will get to in a second. But this is on ice Related, Shana, what does this do to the effectiveness of the Senators team right now? It definitely hurts them when they're already shorthanded. Um, hi, Pop. So cute. Sorry, I'm sorry. I might. I see dogs in my just <laughs> Um, But yeah, I feel for him. It's really unfortunate. Four to six weeks is like you know, it's not a. It's not ideal for a team that really needs the wins, especially after their start. It felt like the first couple games were kind of dominant, and then everything kind of started backsliding i think this team is cursed i think they need sage i think that they need to throw salt over their shoulder i think that they need every superstition in the book right now because it's just not going their way sarah did you have a reaction to this injury or is this just more of the bad luck that ottawa is getting due as shana said at what point is everything so unlucky that it's not even bad luck anymore like Obviously injuries are, you can't, nobody wants to get them and like, you can't prevent when that happens, but it reminds me of kind of the depth, the team, like the hurricanes have that somebody can get hurt and you keep on trugging along and it's not going to make or break you getting into the playoffs or you not. And I mean, senators are not off to a great start. So I would say maybe it doesn't affect their odds, but I don't know, maybe it's a wake up moment. Like, okay, guys, we're not going to let injuries be an excuse anymore but there's so much already gone on (laughs) what you said though about the canes (laughs) is like it's so hard because they're it's not just like the depth they have but the system they've built and ottawa Mm -hmm. sure does not have that like you look at that is not a team that you could just plug in anyone on the blue line and be like all right here's a system go crush it right like it speaks to what the canes did even more for sure exactly for sure. Well, we wish everyone who's injured, we hope that that doesn't derail anything too significantly and that uh, the the recovery is full and fast. And speaking of that, um, take a moment to pause um, for Washington's Nicholas Backstrom. Um, he did come back and start the season after having major hip surgery last year, missing most of the year. Um, it was announced today that he will be stepping back from hockey to continue to deal with the impacts and consequences of his hip injuries. Um, Obviously, as a human being, I mean, this is a player who's been integral to this team for quite some time. This is a human who it seems like everyone is, is fond of both on and off the ice. And this is an unfortunate way maybe for what some fear might be the end of a career to, to start to show itself. But uh, Shano, what did you make of this news? I, I have not, and we were talking about this before. I've not been able to watch him that much. Obviously coming back from a hip injury is no small potatoes. Um, But do you think he was being effective in any way? Was this the right call for him? And and what's this going to do to a team um, in the capitals that isn't exactly lighting the world on fire right now? I, I feel like for him, it's it's hard because it's not just him, right? Like the team around him isn't giving him the support I think that he could use at this point. But what I've the biggest takeaway for me is the speed or lack thereof. And I it feels like it's more than just, oh, he's aging. Like you can see the effects of this hip injury. And it's so unfortunate because it does feel like he's trying literally everything to extend his career. So you never want to see this happen. But um, 
I, I hope he can get well. He does seem like a like a wonderful person, a wonderful player. And this is not how you want to see someone go out. Sarah, I'm curious, you know, so much of what the Capitals are doing is about, in part, helping make sure that Ovi reaches his new career milestones and sets league milestones that haven't been surpassed in many, many years. What does this do to that campaign? Or do you, what other general comments do you have on Backstrom stepping away? I mean, we've seen the beginning of the season and how Ovi couldn't get a goal until now they're coming, which is good. And they, of course they always would, but 13 shots per period, you're going to get a goal. It might actually help the campaign. And it's a pretty selfless thing for Backstrom to do just because yeah, the speed just wasn't there at all. And you don't something like a hip injury and getting hip surgery is something that is just so taxing on a person and their speed specifically. And especially this day and age, and I know the NHL has their new like NHL edge stats and it had him as by far the slowest player. And it's just kind of the writings on the wall there. And it's just sucks because he did provide such an, un- he's still underrated to me. I mean, he is the franchise leader in assists and second in games played. And it just shows how great of an era that Caps team was in its heyday and that I'm just happy that they ended up getting a cup. So you know what? Like, maybe it's not that sad. He got the cup and now they're on their way out. Like, they're older. It's happening. It it comes for us all, for sure. (laughs) Yeah. Um, But uh, there are some players who are also not on the ice, not because of injury, um, but because of not necessarily maybe being able to control their temper. And that's one Charlie McAvoy, who late in a game against the Florida Panthers um, had a really egregious I didn't like it hit on Oliver Ekman Larson. Um, and then the suspension, another four game suspension coming down, um, much like we saw coming for Calgary earlier this season. Sarah, the Bruins are a team that you know well. McAvoy has been a big part of that team. They've been having a resurgence What's the impact here? And are you surprised that McAvoy had this call? He has had league punishment in the past one time. Yeah, I mean, here we are again. Bruins breaking another record when everybody thought they were going to be mid. And and you know what? It'll be a good case study to see how much of a success. I mean, Jim Montgomery said the other day, the reason they have the record they do, they're first in the Atlantic is because of the goaltending and keeping that core together. It was really like, come on, how much worse are they going to get? But how much of that is McAvoy keeping the goals out before they get to the goalies? And I guess we're going to figure that out in the next four or five games. What was it? Four games? Four games. Yep. Yeah. I think it should have been more than four games. That was just egregious. It was very much, I'm going to elbow you right here. And this is what's going to happen. And especially after, um, Line's injury and Anderson got three games. It just kind of four games. So they, they got the same amount of games. That seems fair, but I think they both probably should have got more. Interesting. Interesting call. Shana, you know, again, to see what this does to the Bruins, here's the next four opponents for the Bruins that they will have to play without McAvoy, Toronto, Detroit, Dallas, and the Islanders. Um, Some good teams in there, at least some teams that have had good starts. Are you concerned about how effective the Bruins will continue to be without a big piece of their back end? 
I think matchups like Leafs Bruins are a little bit more even now that McAvoy's out. But I mean, like Boston's had a great start, but I they've gone against pretty crappy teams, right? Like the strength of schedule has been super favorable for them. And I think that they're lucky that it's only four games that they're losing him. I would have given him more than Anderson personally, but I guess because Ekman Larson is healthy enough, he's on the ice today that maybe they felt they didn't need to. But like Boston has a lot of depth at D and it's like the one position I feel like that is an area of strength this season. And I feel like they're relying on their defense right now a little bit more because of their center issues. So I wonder how much they're going to feel this. Like it, it's not ideal and games against the Leafs and Red Wings are important because they're like divisional opponents, but I feel like the stars is the true test for them. It will be interesting to watch, interesting to watch to see what kind of chaos ensues. And speaking about chaos, um, a hat tip to the Ottawa Senators, I guess, because they had a massive amount of news dumping right before we went to record today. Um, Let's track this down. So we have known about the mess that went on two seasons ago at the trade deadline with the Dodonov supposed trade. You'll recall that Ottawa had traded him to Vegas. Vegas then wanted to trade him out to California, um, and then it turned up that Dodonov had a no-trade list that the Vegas Golden Knights were unaware of. In the meantime, the Senators have been sold. They're under new ownership, but that doesn't matter because the punishment handed down by the league as of today is that over the next three seasons, the Senators will have to forfeit one, that's one, of their first round picks it's up to them to choose which year they do it and then shortly thereafter it was announced uh that pierre dorian is out as general manager and that steve steos will be taking over as interim gm Uh, michael andlauer was addressing the media earlier today um saying that the dodanov situation was seen as a non-issue when he was in talks to buy the Sens, I'm reading reporting of Chris Johnston. Um, he isn't happy to lose a first rounder so long as everything played out. Quote, why I inherited this is beyond me. There is no reason for it to last that long. So there's a lot to unpack here. There's a GM change. There's a punishment which I find overly egregious because the Chicago Blackhawks had literal sexual assault, paid $2 million and got Connor Bedard. Um, but apparently if you don't share about a no trade list that I feel like if you're the receiving team, you should validate with the agent as well. That's just me. I don't know. Um, but here we are. Uh, there's also perhaps the issue of Ann Lauer just finally having an, the option to be able to make the move to bring in the, his personal selection for GM. Shana, what's the most intriguing part of all of today's news for you? Yeah, I find it interesting like you said, the first round pick is a, is a hefty penalty we don't always see in the NHL. And it's interesting the situations that they, one, remember and actually do something about and the ones that they don't and um, which they penalize more harshly. And I understand there being a penalty here, right? Like, even though Ann Lauer can sit here and say this isn't a situation, it still is the same general manager that screwed up. And that mistake was extremely costly for Vegas. Like, there is that's fine. I understand it. But like, it feels like that's the situation to find a team over, maybe go second round pick. And then you need to like recalibrate what you're doing. I almost wonder though, if this was like an excuse to fire management, because it did feel like when, when ownership changed, how often do we see them bring in their own GMs just as when it 
GM changes, how often do they bring in their own coach? So it felt like they were kind of ripe for that situation. And Dorian had a great year last year. His, you know, two summers ago was excellent. I liked what he did in season. And then it felt like he really fell flat this year. And you see the struggles the team's having. And I think there's some issues behind the bench that just haven't been changed with this management group. So I, I see the need to change anyway. It just felt like this was like a way to open the door to just do it now, right? Sarah, do you like this punishment? Do you think that this honestly, while Vegas ended up being stuck, stuck, quote unquote, with a player, that player produced through the balance of the season when he remained with Vegas. And in my opinion, wasn't the reason Vegas wasn't in a playoff spot that year. Does the punishment fit the crime? Well, you got to know as an NHL GM that the league hates nothing more than looking stupid or getting looking bad. And they hate that more than sexual assault or any type of actual issue. They it's just mind blowing to me, but you have to know that by now with the pattern. So it does make sense that the league and Batman gave them a first round pick sanction after it's something the league had to step in and fix, right? Like after um, 48 hours, the league had to negate the trade and it was all just such a mess. And it was a rule that they broke. Um, I do think this is a little dramatic. I do think other things should be penalized more, but at the same time, they did break a rule and it is kind of, I get the comparisons, it is kind of silly to kind of just compare apples to oranges in this situation. And I'd like to see where the senators go from here. I don't know. It's kind of, yeah. it's all still confusing to me to this day. I just think about the player and I'm like this poor guy, like just like was in this mess from start to finish. And I wonder how he feels about it. Somebody should ask him. Well, and I just, I, again, I like, I know I keep bringing up these examples and people tell me don't, try and apply logic to these situations but like in business if you make a major transaction and someone let's say you're going to buy a company and they say here's the balance sheet of the company you don't just go okay like you have it audited you make sure that those numbers are real like vegas like how, vegas did absolutely no counter checking on this that's what i don't understand i just feel like when you're making bigger trades that these are things that you would be well aware of versus just trusting what a team says says to you when you know every GM is also, trying like to they, win the they trade. knew he had a clause, right? There's no, I, I don't know. Any, and saying. the whole public, everybody knows you go on cap friendly. And I know, oh, teams don't use public resources. I'm sure they do. They hired someone who worked there. Like right. they have someone whose job is to know this. I don't, that's, this is what, do they, did they not know there was a clause? Did they think the clause didn't count because he was traded once with, like, there's a lot of mixed signals that mm -hmm. they definitely should have double checked. Like, this is professional hockey, right? Well, exactly. That's what, and and Shane, I am curious because you made the comment before we started recording, and you made it just again now, of Andlauer bringing in his guy. What do we know about the new for now interim GM? Do you like this just as a decision in and of itself? Wait, did they did they make? He's interim. Oh, he Steos's. Yeah. Oh, I didn't know that he actually was. Yeah. Oh. Well, yeah, it makes sense. I, when he, when <laughs> Andlauer bought the team, everyone was like, oh, is Steos going to come in? Like, is he going to be the next general manager? And it makes a lot of sense. And he does seem like a fresh mind with like an innovative perspective. Like it feels like it could be something different than what Ottawa had in the past. So 
I, I wonder if it's interim to permanent. I would be very surprised if not, because I mean, look, in this industry, it's who you know all, all the time, but this does seem like someone legitimately qualified who would do a good job. We shall see. And speaking of who could do a good job, um, there are reports, and Sarah, not even I'm not even taking a hit at anyone. You never know um, with initial reports like this, and particularly because we know Steve Steos is Landauer's guy. Um, but there are some rumors that Peter Chiarelli could be a possible GM candidate. Please <laughs> screen cap that. Sarah, do you have any thoughts on if that is actually a thing that comes to fruition? What year is it? <laughs> I think sometimes you like to throw names out just to throw names out. And I pray to God that's what this is. No offense, Peter C. No, but... no offense. Offense. <laughs> all offense. <laughs> he's earned all the offenses. He's had numerous teams where he's earned the offenses. It's the one league you can just keep falling upwards in. Like, this what are we doing? Me another excuse and I urge everybody any youngin listening to this podcast or people that weren't Bruins fans at the time to watch the behind the B where they were in the war room with Peter Chiarelli when he traded Tyler Sagan and the whole thing makes him look so bad and makes the team look so bad and for whatever reason they recorded it and posted it it's like really one of the most damning things in the world and it was decades that ago was, that wasn't his worst team experience no I would say, right like <laughs> oh no, he kept going Edmonton and you're like every trade the Taylor Hall trade the Jordan Everly trade hey 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 I mean we stand Adam Larson here we do. we do we do but at the time Taylor Hall was he went on to have you know MVP caliber seasons it should have been Adam Larson plus because he was a hidden gem we didn't know I how will good not he was. tolerate this slander in my house we like we love Adam Larson but like the Miko Koskinen contract a minute before. Okay, there, good. Yes, like... move on to a different topic. Speaking, yes. Hold on, speaking of Adam Larson, can, yes. can we talk about one other thing? Can I throw something at you? I don't know. Can you? May I? Yes. <laughs> um, speaking of cracking things, is there any bits of news you want to tell us about your week? What's my bit of news? I don't know. Are you doing anything exciting this week? What? I don't know, like during games, anything special? Oh, yes. Well, we can talk about that on online. We can we can that highlight we... things that you're doing that are cool and tell people to tune in. Oh, I will be between the benches the next two games. Yes. Yes. Oh, oh wow, yes. That's so cool. We love to see it. Dragoon <laughs> celebrating. Let's go. <laughs> Listen, you're not going to make a fuss out of it, so we're going to. Mm -hmm. <laughs> there are many people who want to make big fusses out of these things who keep me in the know to do this to you. You're gonna kill him. I know who it is. Thank you very much. Moving on. <laughs> <laughs> he knows who he is. He now knows he's in big trouble with me. All right. No, anything no, else? no. Keep and, telling us. Anything else on Listen, the this, Ottawa this, situation? We want a full report on it. Want, okay. <laughs> yes. Anything else on the Ottawa situation, either of you people? Um, I want to know when the coaching is gonna get changed because I think DJ Smith is. I don't think DJ Smith was a good assistant coach in Toronto. I thought he was very, um, I don't want to say like, I'm trying to think of the right words here and words are like difficult to come by sometimes. Um, I know my job is to like deal with them, but you know, it, it, it's just like behind the ball. Like, I feel like it's very outdated what he does. I don't think he tries anything new, innovative and um, proactive. I feel like everything, his defensive style is very reactive. And in today's game, I don't think you can just like endure shots against and hope for the best. So I think they need a new coaching staff. And I'd like to see 
this team kind of get into like their window with these players in their prime and it's just not going to happen right now Sarah I want to end it's going to happen true I want to end with our with our one you're fine with our one uh, more serious bit of news, um, and first and foremost, we want to offer our names to the many and the voices who are many um, of condolences for uh, the family and loved ones of Adam Johnson, who passed um, as the result of a horrific accident during an EIHL game. Um, I would offer also all of our condolences and love to those who saw the event, um, to those who know people who were involved. I think that if you are out there vilifying the individual who was on the other end of that accident, um, you're an awful human um, and consider your life choices and why you're thinking certain things. Um, but in above and beyond that tantamount reason that we have empathy um, for the incredible loss, um, this has introduced a whole new dialogue around mandated neck protection in hockey. Um, and I can think back to when I was in Columbus and Scott Hartnell was wearing Kevlar socks one day when he got sliced by a skate and he flat out said, he's like, if I wasn't wearing Kevlar skates, I would have had a sliced Achilles tendon and that would have been it for me. Um, there are so many and close we've seen calls. That, right. That, we've seen that literally happen. Thank you, Matt Cook, Tara Carlson. There have been so many close calls, um, but now we're talking about a different part of the body potentially being mandated to be protected. And again, these kind of rules are not necessarily going to come quickly. There's going to be grandfathering to be considered. There's going to be equipment issues to be considered. There's going to be product availability to be considered with Kevlar in or other products like that in general. But Sarah, what are your thoughts on adding a new suggestion slash mandate for protection of players next in games? Well, I saw the very next day, the Providence Bruins, a lot of them were wearing um, these neck protectors. And I think, in the past 10 years, the technology has gotten so much better. I know Bauer is a huge advocate for uh, the new technology that they have that it is more comfortable to wear. I know there are valid qualms about players wearing things that aren't going to make them the most comfortable on the ice because they only get a few years. They're trying to maximize as much money they can possibly make in this dangerous sport. And they're thinking, I want to play it to the best of my ability. But I've talked to a few people at Bauer that have assured me and other people speaking of power wearing the thing, but um they have assured me that it's completely different now and that and there's other teams now that have started trying things on. I know the penguins have. I saw the hurricanes at practice where today and Brady Shea was asked about it and he said they've been brought new equipment. I know the NHLPA and Marty Walsh are kind of on that he's had a lot to chew off and I think is doing a great job um in his tenure so far. And he has brought some wrist and neck protection to teams and they have been receptive to it. And I think it's something that's going to be individual for every player, but I would like to, I'm not going to sit here and act like I play in the NHL and that I've assumed the risk, you know? So I am excited to hear what other NHL players say about it. And it seems like a lot of the leaders are trying it on. So I'm really, really happy to see that they're at least keeping an open mind to it. Yeah. I mean, this is certainly, I could see as a player, you know, you're gaming the odds. This happens and it's horrific, but it hasn't knock on wood happened a lot. So you might think that the odds are in your favor. Um, but again, if it happens, the results are horrific. Um, and Clint Malarchuk has come out and shared even how after now that he survived his, his neck cut and is quote unquote fine that the PTSD and, and the long lasting effects are very, very real too. 
with all these variables, this isn't easy, Shana, but do you come down on the side of working towards a mandate of neck protection or do we need to consider other factors first? I mean, look at it. Not every goalie wears neck protection right now, which I legitimately cannot understand either the extra plastic under the helmet or the neck protector that you just wear. I, I don't understand going with neither one. And there are goalies who opt against it for, I guess, comfort and what they're accustomed to. I think we're reminded constantly how dangerous this sport is. Not for nothing. People are skating around with knives on their boots at super high speeds that things can happen and pucks can hit you. It's not just skates. So to have that protection, like we don't see players wear turtlenecks. We look at the NHL. Thomas Placanic is the only player that comes to mind in recent history. So I think the way to streamline this in is going to be mandating it at lower levels. It's going to be youth hockey, college hockey, the AHL, and then players will come up the ranks being you know accustomed to it. That'll be easier to get it going at the NHL level too. And they already did in Johnson's league. And I just wanted to say that I, when I was covering the Wilkes-Barre Scranton Penguins, I, it was a tough time in my life. And Johnson was one of the players that would always talk to me and somebody you just really wanted to see succeed. And I've heard from some people that know him and his family and they don't want this war against the person whose skate blade it was versus him. And I, it just is disgusting, heartbreaking, and a really bleak thing to see on social media, people discussing this as if it's not real life and a real thing that happened. And what if it was your kid? I don't think you would want this debate to be happening. And I wish people would kind of like get their brains back. That's all I had to say. Well said, well said, Sarah. Um, I will wrap this up here too um, with one last quote that just came out. This is amazing. Uh, Michael Andlauer is saying that the NHL did not advise him of either the inv investigation on the botched Adonov trade or the Pinto sports betting incident. So it's okay for the league to not tell people about something that's coming up, but it's not okay for the senators to not tell anyway. Well, how do you get a sale if you don't be honest, right? Well, it's like, it's like, how do you get a trade if you don't be honest? Check I know. Anyway. Okay. Where's Ryan to Zingle? We need a new Uber. We need a new senator's Uber. Oh my God. That's what we literally to think that was the team then. And it's like, <laughs> look how far they've come. And people were so mad at players who want out. <laughs> Well, let's move on, y'all. Um, we're moving on to our next segment. And <laughs> look, you're getting the point of the segment because we have people actually commenting on our episode saying, you know, you don't always have to find a reason to talk about the Leafs, but they do it to themselves. Shana, what time is it? Time for How Does This Affect the Leafs? This week brought to you by Bestie Austin Matthews, who is begging us to talk about this. There's not a ton here, folks, but we do need to point out that Austin Matthews was caught on the bench saying to many men, clearly a listener, clearly a follower, clearly a lover, friend of the pod. Austin, reach out. We'll get you some merch. That's Austin, all I have to say. Austin, reach out. Join the pod. We'll discuss things with you. We don't need things to affect the Leafs because you're the center of the show then. I love it. He all rolled right. his eyes at the too many men. I'm like, he's a friend of the pod, enemy of the pod. <laughs> 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 all right so there it is what are your briefest how does this affect the Leafs ever uh, let's continue on into hockey talk last week we talked about some spooky teams so this week we wanted to give some love to some teams that are doing really really well out of the gate and you don't have to look much farther than the top of the league standings to the Vegas Golden Knights that are 9-0-1 19 points 
even coming off what can sometimes be blamed as a cup hangover, they don't seem to have slowed down at all. They seem intent on reminding us all how good they are. Shana, what has impressed you most about the Golden Knights? I think the most impressive thing is it feels like even when they come into a season with what you would like perceive to be a deficit, like this year it's losing Riley Smith. Every year they have to make a move to stay cap compliant. They keep like working it out. The cheap goaltending tandem, Logan Thompson and Aiden Hill rotating them pretty evenly. It's been, you know, a great start for them. They provide a lot of defensive support, but then you have guys like Paul Cotter and, you know, he's thriving there. You have the Brett Howden and Chandler Stevenson reclamation projects that they're good bets to take and you see it paying off. And it's just building a supporting cast when you think, wow, this team could be super top heavy. They know how to distribute the talent and they know how to support it. So I think that makes for a team that, could be a true you know they look like they're going to be a true contender once again Sarah do you agree will Vegas be a contender down the stretch they're entering November on top of the league 100% never in doubt for me especially with Canada's team falling apart but we'll get into that later Chandler (laughs) Stevenson I was doing this story about kind of the top 10 playmakers in the league right now and he didn't make it but he was right there the way he racks up like even strength primary assists it's kind of he is one of the more inconspicuous players around the league where maybe he's not always on the score sheet or he's not always like getting all of the points on the power play or something like that but he is so designed to win in not a first line center role and it's it's that's what you need to win the cup he's the perfect match for Mark Stone like I could not think of a perfect person to compliment him like stylistically like he has the speed that kind of makes up for Stone he can just counter attack and fly right up the ice and make the place to shift back to offense like they're so perfect together that you can throw anyone with them and see how it clicks I like it's like the forward pairs there I like that I have been a Chandler Stevenson fan for years so I completely agree completely agree Um, but let's move on you don't have to go much farther down the rankings to find our next team we talk about them a little bit earlier Um, they may be facing some adversity as their schedule gets tougher and they skate without charlie mcavoy but the boston bruins just two points behind vegas and that's only potentially because they've played one less game they have a record of 8-0-1 and sarah you said and i admit this was a question in my mind going into the season that many people expected them to be mid and here they are saying, fuck you. We're good still. And always you talked about them a little bit, Sarah, but what are the indicators to you that the Bruins are for real? Or do you have concerns about them down the stretch? Who am I to have concerns about the Boston Bruins? (laughs) I have concerns about the playoffs because history repeating itself. Yes. I, we can't think that far ahead. And Zaka has always had potential, has maybe gotten a short leash, or does that make sense? Maybe I just need to pay more attention to the devil sometimes. No, I no, I think you're I think you're right. I think the devil's the thing, correspondent. Keep going. Go. Oh, yeah, there we go. <laughs> you know the thing is Zaka is someone that has always had high expectations because he was a high draft pick. And the thing with him is I think he's best on the wing. I know he's a natural center. I know he prefers to play center, but I think last year showed you he's much better suited to the wing. I think it's like less responsibilities. So even when you're playing with someone like Poshnok, yes, maybe you could thrive if you shift over, but then there's a gap on the wing there that they don't have as much depth to fill. So I think for them, 
it's best to have him on the wing and just get one more center. I think that's that's the key to them right now. Get one more center. It, it doesn't have to be mm-hmm. some high-end elite 1C, but if you can get someone like pretty good, like a David Krejci level player, good second line center, I think that's the key to getting him going a little bit more. Yeah, I know they were going to wait until the trade deadline to see if they were going to go 801 again, and they did. They made a new record, and it's just unbelievable. When you have an elite talent who is so humble, like David Pasternak, locked up, he's going to perform better than he has, and he somehow is doing that right now. I mean, he was the October's third star of the month per the NHL. You got Brad Marchand, who... When I look at something like McAvoy's suspension, it makes even more sense that Marchand, I mean, Marchand's going to take some suspension sometimes, but it's for kind of looking a guy or something like that. And he's gotten way better recently with just chirping and exclusively Connor Bedard. He's like constantly chirping him and like walking up on the ice, which is welcome to the show, kid. But I think the goaltending, it's just like they have a more classic goalie tandem than anyone I've seen in the league in the past few years. And guess what? It still works, especially when I think you need either elite talent down the middle or elite goaltending. Um, And I think they have the goaltending. I think the kid coming up and no one expected him, Matty P, nobody expected him to be the player that he is. And here he is. I think Morgan Geeky, I've always loved him as a serviceable center and he's holding down the fort kind of on the third and fourth line where he's such a good two-way player and they're all kind of Zaka's good. I don't know. They're good. I don't fucking know. <laughs> Bad opponents though. There's the so analysis. We'll yeah. So we'll see. Well, <laughs> un- we'll just keep going down these rankings folks. Cause as we talked about teams, we thought were playing well, it literally just so happened that they were atop the NHL standings. Um, this next one, I'm going to give you a little bit of side eye Shana, as I ask you, because the New York Rangers had a perfect five-game Western road trip, including a bit of a wonky game in Seattle where the lights were at issue. And you and I even talked about it. There were some questionable hits in that game by the Rangers. So a little bit of a side-eye, but the Rangers, 5-0 and on a Western road trip, even though coming in, everyone was, what's going to happen to Lafreniere? And what's going to happen? And who is Panarin washed up? And this and that and the other thing. Rangers. For real, or are they just enjoying their moment in the sun, Shayna? I think that they're for real because I like the way they're going about improving. Like, you can look at this team and it hasn't been just, oh, perfect goaltending is carrying the way. Like, it feels like there's legitimate improvements coming. And I was critical about Peter Laviolette coming in. I'm still not like a billion percent sold, but I really like the coaching staff he put together. Otherwise, like Michael Pekka and Dan Muse. Like, I think he brought in really smart minds. But it's things like carrying the puck out with possession and leaning on the defenders to break the puck out with control is stuff they didn't do before. You saw them just dumping the puck and changing, like cleaning up those little details makes all the difference in the world. And also when the lines didn't click in preseason, they didn't panic. They went, this is what we think the lineup should be. And we're giving them a chance to cook that has not happened when kids are involved. Like if it's aligned with Kako or Lavinier, you didn't see that happening (laughs) Yeah, well, I like that's the best way to describe it, right? Like the kid line. But like when you saw it with like a veteran line struggling, they were like, it'll be fine. It'll work itself out. But it didn't always. So the Panarin line with Lafreniere and Heedle, we really have never seen Heedle and Panarin play consistently together. We really didn't get to see Lafreniere stick around at right wing when they kept shifting him back and forth. And now they have a capable top six. So there's potential there, but there's definitely things to work out, you know, as they go on. But it's early. Sarah, do you like the Rangers? Yeah, I think everybody 
with a few exceptions per usual, is doing what they need to do. I like Lafreniere. I've always wanted him to succeed a little bit. I It's got to be really tough, especially, I don't know, coming in after the pandemic. It, there's a lot going on with your development, and people don't take that into consideration as much as I think they should, especially with all the pressure on you and you think you're going to have this career that starts out in one way. So I want to see him succeed. I think Miller and Fox are doing exactly what they need to do. Um, I just want everybody to keep it up. Good job, guys. Keep it up. And the show me in the playoffs. I think (laughs) during the playoffs, it was kind of the older guys stepping up and you need more out of, Miller and Fox. So I keep my eye on those two, but this is none of this is going to work out unless Lafreniere is that scoring threat. Otherwise, you have no top six, right? If Lafreniere can't take it, what are you going to do? Go Patrick Kane again and say, let's bring in a defensively bad forward. Does that work so well? It worked so well, right? It's, (laughs) I think it's all about Panarin, though, right? Like, listen, Aaron with no hair. I don't like that. It's, it's, it's so odd. It's like so jarring to see you're so used to that like curly hair. Yes. And he's such yeah. a little imp. Like he like it doesn't suit him to be bald. He's not Dr. Evil. He's just like a little jester bopping around. Um, all right. Well, let's pop up down. There was one more team that we have been noticing because we feel that not many people are. And I feel like this is the fact every fucking year with this team. But with respect to teams like the Canucks, Detroit, Colorado, Los Angeles, even Montreal that's in the top 10 and the Canes sitting in 10th in the league right now is once again, the quietly effective Dallas stars. And I was focused on this last year at the end of the season when the Kraken played them three times in like a week and a half. And it was insane, but we forget about this team. Like we just literally forget they exist. And then they end up being a really solid team. They seem to have some really good, foundational thought going into not just how they are built for the moment but how they prepare for the future and they just go out and execute maybe it's because they're in texas maybe because they're in a weird time zone who knows but dallas maybe deserves a little more respect than they get year over year sarah do you agree or disagree yeah great news for the stars fans that hate me um my boyfriend is from texas so now i will be paying attention to them and i will be providing analysis my first bit of analysis jake ottinger is doing exactly what we all hoped he'd do 0.940 save percentage 1.74 goals against average and 400 you can see even the difference with scott wedgwood he's 211 0.889 save percentage 3.54 goals against So Jake is the real deal. I am excited to see him on another playoff run, but this team is just so stacked. Every time you forget, it's like they're coming at you on defense. They're coming at you on offense. There's young, there's old, there's middle age. There's people of all ages on this team that are really good. So credit where credit's due this year. Absolutely. Talent like Wyatt Johnston, still Joe Pavelski. You've got it all over the lineup. Shayna, how good is Dallas? Are they getting the proper level of respect? No, I don't think they got it last year. I think they were the most underrated contender in the playoffs last year. And I hate using like underrated and overrated because it feels like you're saying like, oh, I know something more than you. But like they just didn't get talked about and taken seriously when they went to the Western Conference final. And like obviously things fell apart. But you look at how the team has progressed year to year and it was they're an old team. They're a one line <laughs> team. They're this, they're that. And every single criticism of 
them, they've pushed back on. They have this young core with the new core. The Wyatt Johnsons and the Miro Haskinens and Jason Robertsons are with the Tyler Sagans and Jamie Benz and even the Ryan Suiters. Like, they're making this blend work. They have, I think, the deepest team up front that they've had in years. Having guys like Marchment didn't, he didn't do great, but now you have the Danoff. Like, it's clicking. They're elite defensively. Mm-hmm. They have an elite PK. They can have an elite power play when it's going. It's a little slow this year, but they'll get there. Like, they're a contender. They're good. So we'll keep watching the top of the league, both not just what the numbers tell us, but what our eyes tell us, too, in terms of who we want to talk about who are good and also bad teams this year. But it's time for us to wrap up this episode. And as always, we wrap it up with everyone's favorite game, and that is Fuck, Mary Kill. Sarah? You are up first. We again appreciate our listeners submitting these. We don't lose track of when you submit them, even if they came a little bit ago. Today's, this episode's submission comes from Fantasy Hockey Fiend at Mango Snapple Tea. Hmm, good reference. <laughs> Hello, 80s. Um, here we go, Sarah. You are up first. Fuck, Mary kill teams that made the playoffs last season that could miss the playoffs this year your options are the islanders the panthers and the jets give it your best shot wait i have a question i'm sorry i have a question (laughs) um are we marrying the team that we think is most likely to miss the playoffs that we want to miss the playoffs no okay that could miss the playoffs this year so if you marry they're the team that could it's most likely to miss the playoffs this year okay okay sarah you ready the floor is yours. Yes. Can you name them again? <laughs> Islanders, Panthers, and Jets. All right. I wait. Which ones are we marrying? The one that we think the is one you think is going to miss. It's going to okay. miss. Okay. Okay. I am marrying the Islanders. I think the division is too tough, and I think they've really don't have much except in net so i am going to marry them i am so sorry that everything is just so chaotic in that division i'm gonna fuck the panthers for kind of the same reason but also because they're giving nothing this year and it's not looking great and i wanted them to do well and i believed in them and i asked the question why does everybody think they're not gonna make the playoffs this year and i got valid response and I was like, F you guys, I still think they're going to do it. So now <laughs> I I need to coach them and tell them, let's go. This is about my pride. And I'm going to kill the Jets because they're literally in the worst division and they could sneak in and just be annoying again. Dana, your picks. Okay, I'm going to marry the Jets. I think the weak division works in their favor, but I just don't. I don't see the vision and I feel like the fact that they went about their offseason the way they did and extended players that they probably shouldn't have and spent money in ways they shouldn't have is going to bite them. So I think that there's going to miss and I could see it being a team like Nashville kind of pushing them for it a little bit, which would be fun. The same races last year, right? I will. I'm going to fuck the Islanders. Yeah, they're great in net. I think that they. Like, I think Horvat and Barzell are doing everything right now without the results. And I think they're going to come and they're going to be better than what they've shown so far. But they look undisciplined. They look slow. They need to mix and match on defense. Like, they need a lot of work to get there in the division and the conference are tough. I will kill the Panthers. I'm impressed with how they've gotten to this point, despite 
big absences on defense that I think by the time they get Ekblad and Montour back, they'll be okay. I'm so impressed by the offense. Sam Reinhardt is killing it. Um, Verhage and Barkov and Kachuk are all going to kill it. So I think that they'll make it work enough. I am going to also kill the Islanders because don't come for me, Islanders fans. If you get into the playoffs, it's so boring. Like, God bless. <laughs> like, make it make it a little more interesting. Like, you're in the spotlight now. Like, give us some joy. Give us some verve. Give us some chaos. <laughs> um, you don't. So I'm going to marry you guys to not make the playoffs. I'm going to fuck the Jets because I do kind of love the narrative of, like, everyone gives them up for dead, but our dear sweet Connor Hellebuck, like, pulls them through and brings them to the promised land. Um, and I'm going to kill the Panthers because they've done this to us how many times now, right? Where right. everyone says you can't, and then they do. And I'm with Shana also. I think that when the back end gets healthy with Montour and Ekblad, that it's going to be a much different team to play, and that's going to work in their favor. So those are my picks as well. All right. That, my friends, is just one more episode in the wonderful life cycle we call Too Many Men. Um, we encourage you to keep in touch with us even when we're not on the air. We're on the social media channels to underscore much underscore man on Twitter and Instagram. And on the blue sky, we are to hyphen much hyphen man. Talk to us there. Submit your fuck, Mary kill nominations. Let us know what you want us to talk about. All good and bad. And if you want to support us in other ways and show your support for the TMM brand, you can do that by going to too many men merch.com and get all kinds of gear supporting the segment that is your very favorite, even how does this affect the Leafs? You can also be sending it at any time. Questions for our mailbag. Use the hashtag TMMail to let us know what questions you have for one, all, or none of us, and you just want us to talk about, and we will break them down for you. But until we talk again, we ask you each to please do something, no matter how big or small, to make sure that hockey truly is for everyone. We will talk to you soon. Love you. Bye.